So welcome everyone to one more episode of our Real AI Now podcast. Today I'm very excited. We have a very special guest. His name is Jan Miskowski. I hope I pronounced your name well. Uh, Jan is uh, the head of the Talang's Best Practices Lab. Um, Talang's is, a, is a, an insurance uh, group, a global insurance group. Um, Jan is a leader in the insurance industry. He's uh, He's been at BCG, Allianz, Signal Iduna, and now since a few years on the Talang's group. Uh, he heads the Best Practices Lab. Um, you can tell us a bit about that if you're allowed to. Uh, it's a, in my understanding, it's a unit that brings companies in the Talang's group together and from all over the world and talk about best practices in digitalization, digital transformation and change and all those things. So welcome, Jan. Thank you for accepting uh, to uh, to participate in our podcast. So um, could you talk a bit about yourself and uh, and your background in insurance and what motivated you to 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 work on insurance? Yeah, sure. Uh, so thank you for having me. I <clears throat> I actually came to insurance accidentally. I never planned to go to insurance. Uh, but once Same I... Same with me, by the way. <laughs> once I got in, I really liked it. And I liked it until today because it's... Uh, <clears throat> I think it's an industry that is uh, um, uh, very exciting because... Uh, for two reasons. Number one, it was that one of the first industries that fully digitalized, basically no paper, no nothing. It was a handshake when it started. And over time it became kind of like a, like an onion that there were like uh, lots of things, guidance and regulations whatsoever. But our roots are actually super digital, basically handshake, one click or whatever you would call it today. And number two is that uh, you never run out of risks because whatever changes happen in the world, we are kind of like following Sometimes we are maybe a bit ahead, but uh, we never run out of the risks, which is our, our uh, core mm -hmm. business. And um, uh, we are also trying to work on the prevention on services around that. But, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, what we do is basically we identify the risk, a real one or one mental one where you are scared of something that actually doesn't happen. That's the best risk because you can make lots of money. But there are lots of lots of real risk that every change, every technological change uh, uh, produces, also the climate and so on. And um, um, and yes, there are there are many innovations, many startups trying to kind of change it, disrupt it, uh, which is good uh, with, because it makes us move. But um, it is very exciting, and I think very underrated industry because this is probably Indeed. one of the one of the few, if maybe not the only industry, where we make money if nothing happens. <laughs> so uh, most industries make money if something happens. So uh, right. you eat the food, you you uh, I don't know, use the car, whatsoever. Mm -hmm. For us, basically, is that perfect match with a customer because customers buying insurance not to have a claim, hoping but that, that nothing happens. So basically, you you <laughs> insure your house and you hope that nothing happened. That, that right. and if nothing happened, we make lots of money. Yeah, unfortunately, it's happened. Yeah? <laughs> and I think this is very and, uh, and sleep under, underrated uh, USP because we basically no. are. Absolutely, hundred percent overlap with the customer wishes. You know, you don't Absolutely. want the yeah. company happy. You want to be healthy. Uh, 
I mean, if something I, happens, of course, we jump in. Yeah. If I may challenge that a bit, <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean. Uh, I also I agree with you that insurance is highly underrated. First point. So I, when I before I started working on insurance, I was working for the space industry, and insurance and financial services seemed to me one of the most boring things to work on. Now then I moved to insurance, and I worked on a reinsurer, and uh, reinsurers have this uh, macro macroeconomic vision of the world. And uh, it, it was astonishing how interesting it is, right? And and especially the mission, right? Something that I didn't realize is that it's about making the world more resilient and individuals more resilient so that they can actually survive, recover faster uh, from a crisis, from something bad that happens. And exactly. that could be from somebody stole your bicycle or you had a flood in your apartment or a fire or yeah. you had an accident or whatever it is, so whatever bad thing that happens that you can actually survive and recover faster from it. Exactly. Of course. So we are, we are in, a, in a, you could say we are in a business uh, of disruption. We always been there, but we try to make the disruption less painful for you. Yeah, exactly. not in a yeah. sense like a startup, and, but uh, uh, you have a core business, you have an idea, you have a plan, you have a life, and whenever it gets disrupted that you don't plan or want it, we jumped in and help you to go that, back to where you want it to be. Yeah, exactly, and that's the, and that's actually the beauty of insurance. And there's also one of one of the things, and this is where that I said that I wanted to challenge you was, it's not that nothing happens. People are paying so that they know that they are safe and they can sleep better and they can take more. Uh, they can take safer well, steps in their yeah, life, yeah. knowing yeah. that if something happens, they are safe and and they're there. And this is and this is worth paying the money alone. This exactly. So it's not that nothing happens. Well, the 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 bad things don't happen, the losses don't happen, but you are providing value in which uh, people sleep better, people feel a, feel better feel that they are safe and this this has value alone right i pay for that to, to sleep better <laughs> yeah unfortunately what happened is like also in car industry and some other industries that uh, uh, because of this i would say weak marketing uh, mm -hmm. from our side <clears throat> it's changing a bit um, the main focus is on price so people consider in buying insurance like expense yeah, yeah. Uh, when you have an expense of course you always try to lower it down yeah of course but in fact it's an investment because you say well i invest in my plan in my life and um, you should actually look at the insurance can they provide the service are they are they doing well are the customer focus blah blah uh, and uh, if you want to save five euro by buying let's say different insurance uh, you might end up uh, with a big loss because this investment will never produce a return investment so we will never be helped or whatsoever so this is something mm -hmm. that i think we have to work on because <clears throat> most of the valuable things uh, uh, you would never sell for for a few euro but it's your life it's your supercar yeah, I mean, it's your house there is no you know? there yeah. is no sustainable development without insurance exactly exactly there and if you no... look at it i mean the insurers are you know if you 
I drink still water, you know. Most mm. brands make 30% margin of nothing that is like tasting, is a smell or color whatsoever. They just get it out of the world. People paying 30% margin for that. But if you buy insurance, uh, we our margin is like 5% maximum, yeah? Mm. So, um, and the, there's also a second thing that startups often forget about insurance if they want to disrupt it, that we are actually collecting money for, for, for governments. So we collect the money, we invest in government bonds, corporate bonds. So this is the biggest collector of money to finance the economies. So this mm -hmm. is something that the people often forget that we don't take this money and just keep it, but we invest so that the state can run, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, which is very important in startups. Uh, if they want to do it, you have this kind of a dual mission, you know, to serve the customers, but also finance the state. Yeah. yeah. Pension. And so stuff, yeah. I, we, um, I, I agree with you. So insurance is uh, essential. There is no there's no sustainability. There's no sustainable development without insurance. There's no uh, going from being um, a country that is uh, developing into uh, an industrialized country without insurance. That simply doesn't does not work. Uh, even agriculture, in order to develop to modernize, it needs right. needs insurance. So it's clear. Uh, it's, it's, ba it's it has a bad reputation because. Yeah, it's always the risk of your decisions. Yeah, you you can mm. go for different things with insurance. Where without insurance, the risk might be too high to go for it. So even yeah. the innovation changes uh, yes. would be less likely without uh, without so, insurance, probably. Yeah. So, um, trying to 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 bring the topic uh, to to the to the tech. Uh, and to the fact that, uh, so the topic of the podcast is AI technology. So uh, we know that technological disruption changes, is changing all industries um, uh, around the world. And so what do you see um, that are the changes brought up by technology or the main changes brought up by technology now in the insurance industry? So I'm thinking of, First, the risks brought new risks brought by technology, and second, changes in 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 the business model of insurance, changes in the insurance industry brought up by the technology as well. How mm -hmm. how do you see that? I mean the the <clears throat> number one, I would say the basic case is you you can do the same things more efficient, yeah. So uh, you are able to um, shorten the processes, to automate the processes, to uh, pre-fill things because you're using data and technology. You have disrupt, let's say, disintermediate uh, certain parts like direct insurance and so on. You can be faster in uh, claims management because so so the the basic thing is like you can do the same things but faster cheaper so and then you can uh, you can give it back to the customer and have a customer better customer service and stuff like that yeah uh, you can also uh, you can also uh, um, be more customer focused yeah because uh, if i mm. may because i wanted to share uh, a picture sometimes uh, to show you one Go picture ahead. that uh, represents it um, you, uh, as insurance, you, I mean, for the, for the experience of the customers, um, 
the very often you kind of you bring the complexity of the insurance of the company to the customer so the customer has to uh, right. uh, re-type uh, the data you basically all the complexity is the customer yeah so on the one hand if you the one extreme is like i don't know one click buying on Amazon or some mm-hmm. service where you can check in and look hands or other airlines is very easy. So the company keeps all the complexity inside. So the picture is basically like the good one is like an iceberg where you have the only the one ninth of the iceberg is uh, the work of the customer and the rest is under the water where the company does it for you right. by using data, by using automated process whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the traditional companies is kind of like the the inverted kind of iceberg where you have the nine the eight ninths of the iceberg uh, you ask the customer to do to repeat it to come again to to uh, work with the mm-hmm. process where, where, where the company basically internally doesn't know the customer because uh, after two weeks uh, or, or whatsoever so th- this is i think something that is very helpful the technology and data to recognize the customer, to be proactive, to do cross-selling, to do a better service. So this is something that uh, that right. definitely um, uh, is helping. On the next level, you could say, uh, okay, I can be, especially in our case, you can be better in predicting risks. So you don't wait until the risk happens, but you, um, for example, we have in Mexico, we have... Uh, the mobile inspectors. So when a, when an accident happens, we send the person to the accident to uh, capture the data, help the uh, customer, and so on. Mm-hmm. And our aim is to be faster than the pizza. So we our usually on average we are in twenty minutes. We are there. The, the, it doesn't matter where it is. Yeah, and um, and we also because we have lots of data. And this uh, is an insurance company sends a person there. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. this is our okay. uh, employee. So because we have lots of data, we now, we can almost predict that in this area, there will be five accidents probably on Friday evening. Okay. So we keep these people around because it just happens. Like we know that it happened. Yeah. So you can be proactive um, and definitely in the area of um, fraud, because I mean, uh, typically uh, you have like, two, three, four, five percent of uh, fraud that we have to pay without knowing who it is. So we use lots of AI and data uh, to identify the fraudulent cases, yeah, mm-hmm. where this organized crime and stuff. So so you start with automation efficiency, then you can be more proactive, you can provide different services, you can be, uh, you better understand the client because you use the data. Um, mm-hmm. um, and this is like endless, you can, uh, mm-hmm. you can, uh, the, the problem is uh, for us, uh, we also use behavior economics a lot, but the problem is that we have not collected lots of data that is relevant and we're only starting now. For example, transactional data. You know, mm-hmm. did you call? Where did you call? What did you say? So we usually collect the kind of static data right. and uh, we're only now starting to collect the other data. So uh, you, it's like, a, it's like a kind of like a flying wheel. The more data mm-hmm. you collect, the more you see, the more you can do. And we are at the beginning of the cycle, I would say. Okay. Huh? Okay. So um, there's two or three things that you said that I would like to um, uh, to to dig deeper on. And one of them is 
the picture you've shown, right? There was two icebergs. One was the like the tip of the iceberg was Amazon. Amazon doesn't show you the complexity behind. So you click buy now and they have all this machinery delivers the product uh, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so simple, right? Yeah. Even though what's behind it, it's not simple at all. Right? Exactly. Uh, but for the customer, it's beautiful. It's simple. And that's why Amazon is so successful. Uh, on, on the right side, you had the iceberg uh, like inverted where the complexity upside down, was, yeah. was upside down was showing uh, the, the entire complexity to the customer. One, one example, the, and, and this is an issue with, with the insurance industry. I agree with you. And not only, not only, not only know, but if yeah. you are talking here about the insurance industry, <clears throat> I give you a very short example. I had my car outside. I went on vacation. When I came back, I had damage on the car and this was caused by hail, by like uh, like rain, the, 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 yeah. the ice rain. And so I called the insurance. I reported it and I said, look, I have a hail damage in my car. Um, and they said, and they asked me, so could you be, please tell us when this happened? I don't know. I was on vacation. Uh, but we need a date. We need a date of loss. Otherwise, we cannot file the claim. Mm -hmm. And then I, I so I went online. I looked. Uh, it was in Zurich, in Switzerland. I live. I used to live there. So I, I went online and asked, okay, when did it hail in Zurich during August when I was on vacation? And I saw 14th of August, whatever. I sent that to them. They sent a letter. And this was all I emailed emailed them and they answer by mail, snail mail. They sent me a letter back. They, they didn't use an email channel. So for privacy reasons, apparently. Um, anyway, they sent me a letter back saying, oh, uh, I, we read the reports and there was no hell that day. <laughs> yeah. So I wrote them back saying, so if you know, if you have access to this information, why are you asking me? <laughs> <laughs> Why you yeah, but this is that? exactly the aspect, you know, because yes. they don't. Uh, yeah, they have their processes. I don't care. You have access to the weather data. Yeah. You look, look it up when it happened. I'm just telling yeah. you, there is hail damage in my car. I don't care where it happens. If you need a date, you find a date. Don't, don't, don't push that work to me. It's not my right, job. Right. It's yours, right? I paid insurance. You give me the the coverage. I don't do your job for you, right? And this happens all the time. To, right. Second example is I call, I call my insurance company where I have my household and my car. I call them, and at a certain point in the conversation, they say, "Oh, but this is with the household insurance department. I'm gonna hand you over to another person." And then they give me another person. I need to tell the story again from the start. Yeah. <laughs> to the second person. Again, I don't care about the internal processes of the company. They should figure it out themselves, but they expose them to me and make my life more difficult. That's yeah. That's the I mean, reality. but it, yeah, now, but this is. I mean, you see, I mean, the, the pictures uh, not taken from reality. I want to. I want to share something else yeah. with you. This is the. Yeah. I, but I, want, I had well. a question, right? I had a question yeah. after this. So the question is, exactly. This is a good picture. So, the the difference between employee to employee and end to end the 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 question i had for you is technological change right and these these all these benefits brought by technology they also imply that there needs to be an organizational change in in insurance companies right yeah uh, because absolutely if this absolutely. doesn't happen the customer you said oh, it's doing the same just faster and more efficient well if 
the organization doesn't change, this cannot happen. Do you agree? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, but but uh, but this, you know, uh, uh, I think with the data and we seeing more, you generate experience for those people who who want to see it, who want to change it, and uh, this experience uh, makes a change because. Uh, uh, you can Google things, you can preach it, you can put slides whatsoever, but only the experience of the, let's say, claims handler. Or So if the people would record your uh, talking when you notify the claim and they do the analysis of it and they say, okay, there are a couple of guys who actually had this problem. Then you start um, thinking about uh, what can we do differently whatsoever, you know? This picture that, that I just, I'm just sharing is like end-to-end, -end, yeah? And end-to-end, -end, most of the companies or insurance would see like employee-to-employee. -employee. So the process starts within the company and ends within the company, yeah? But end-to-end -end means that almost every relevant process starts outside of your company Mm -hmm. Not even insurance, but but insurance also, mm -hmm. and ends outside of the company. So you have to really say, okay, well, something is triggered. You, in this case, you have a claim outside the company. It comes to the company. You have to do something with it, and it ends up with you having the car repaired or fixed whatsoever. Yeah, and uh, and this is something that uh, it seems like very obvious, but uh, most companies, not even insurance, they don't they don't do it. Yeah, and um, because you are not an island. You are connected with other companies, especially with your clients, and they are outside of the company. So each process has to start and end outside the company. And uh, and um, for for your case that you just uh, mentioned, and there is, I mean, we also do it, Hanoveri uh, and uh, and some retail companies. It's a perfect case for parametric insurance mm -hmm. because. We know exactly, uh, especially for agriculture, but also for hay, like for damage from cars, we know exactly what it happens. You don't even have to notify the claim. We, we know it happened. If it <clears throat> has this severity, then you get the money next day on your account. Yeah. And um, if it's not parametric, we will know exactly that it happened in this area. Sometimes it's this street and not this street. So all the data is available. We also invested some startups in this area. Um, and uh, and mm -hmm. so you you don't have to you don't have to prove because we do it yeah the same for example in some countries where we have a telematic insurance that you have data to prove that it was read or you break the other party is claiming the same so so you can use this data for uh, all kind of things to make your life easier to maybe help you to prove that you were not mm -hmm. wrong. Uh, all the way to being like parametric where you don't have to do anything. It will be just transferred to your account because mm -hmm. we know that was this amount of water or hail or whatsoever, yeah? So this is, but, but this, this experience with data, with, the, with this kind of cases, makes hopefully people internally think what we need to change, do differently, um, because it's data. It's not an opinion of somebody, so let's be more customer-centric, but it's like a real data that the customer leading you or NPS is very low, it's data and you so can where, act on it, you know? So where, where do you start? Do you start by collecting it? Because you mentioned, uh, you mentioned uh, recording the, the phone call and, and this are uh, somehow um, collecting the, the data about the fact that this process uh, of claiming, cl claiming the, 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 the uh, debt for that loss with my car in the hill, yeah. the hill storm, uh, 
they must have had hundreds of people or thousands of people sure. uh, filing a claim for that exact same event, right? So, I mean, the, the, is the, that the data you're talking about? So they collect the data yeah. about that. Uh, they know that in Zurich that day there were 5,000, 10,000, I don't know how many people who filed a claim for that because of that exact same event, right? Exactly. Now, this is the data, right? This is the data. Somebody, there must be some kind of function in the company that is actually not dealing with everyday, everyday operations yeah. because these people cannot. Yeah. So somebody else needs to sit down and look at this data and say, look, this is fairly inefficient and it's yeah. not a good customer experience. So we need to bring this to the next level. Is that what you're talking about? Um, yes, um, and the biggest, I would say, the biggest problem is that uh, you have uh, years and years, sometimes hundred years of kind of processes, uh, way doing things, whatsoever. Yeah, so so you have this, uh, um, in a way, successes where it's okay, mm -hmm. it worked like that, and you just um, follow this, and if there's this kind of event. Maybe it will never reach the certain person that could decide or whatsoever. So what we are, what we, and we don't have, a, depending on the company, but but we are at the very beginning to have kind of like a setup for uh, to read the signals yeah? because there right. are signals, yeah. Uh, yes. Like I don't know, you see the cloud coming, maybe the rain. In private life, you read lots of signals all the time, yeah. And uh, and the companies sometimes are blind or don't listen because they are they are you know like in this video where you, they, you don't see the monkey the gorilla where you count the balls yeah because you focus on something different yeah and uh, and uh, when you say okay hey guys let's have a setup let's have a team or something horizontal across uh, functions uh, to do this you know I was I suggested uh, I. I we haven't done it yet, but hopefully uh, we will do it soon, to have a podcast from the calls from the contact center. Every day when you go to work, there's like two calls as a podcast that somebody says, okay, these are very relevant for CEO, for whatever. So people going to work, listen to the podcast because we record it, yeah? Okay. You can sanitize it, whatever, you know? And it brings you to different ideas because you have to kind of influence, have this experience, people start thinking. But, but uh, in order to kind of, like Build internal podcasts, like internal in the company. Internal podcasts, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So okay, the, the two best calls from yesterday, one positive to negative, or something. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can even talk about them because this is the real assets, a gold. The customer mm -hmm. telling you uh, what they want or yes. don't want or whatsoever. Yeah. If you want to uh, systematically build it up, it takes time. Yeah. Why? Because uh, let me share something. Uh, because it is um, typically uh, it's it's a big change. It's like really really big change to say it become data driven or whatever. And then what what companies or the CFOs or CEOs okay show me the money. I want to see a result. What does it mean for my bonus this year whatsoever? So you have a <laughs> you have a competition between short term result because of my bonus whatsoever and a long term investment. You know. And uh, what I uh, what I use as an example here to convince our people, and we we really start moving in the I think right direction. I use this picture of the 
Shanghai Tower, which yeah. is uh, 2,000 feet high, and 2,080 feet, even more, uh, below the Earth, right? Okay. And what they did to build this tower, they built like 27 months. They built the tower uh, under the uh, uh, ground. Nobody could see the nothing. There was nothing, basically. But they were working for 27 months. And uh, then for another 29 months, they built the tower that everybody see. And you can see in the pictures whatsoever. So uh, as, a, as an analogy to building up a data-driven organization uh, with the governance, with... Um, with uh, data cleaning cases, whatsoever. Uh, some companies, we also did it for some time, we look for cases, case one, case two, POC, whatsoever. Lots of things that you can see, but those cases don't have a fundament, yeah? So uh, then I'm saying you, you have to spend really like 27 months to build the fundament, data governance, teams, uh, cleaning, whatsoever, and you will see nothing. Yeah, there will be no bonus, nothing. For mm -hmm. But after this 27 months, when <laughs> okay. you build the tower, it will stand. It will stand firm for years and you can, you know, you can extend it or whatsoever. And, and this under the ground work is very often neglected. So no, you know, I want to see something. Show me the money, quick wins, whatsoever. You know, this, this, uh, this uh, statement. Fruits. And, and so once you convince the company to say, look, we have to build up the fundamentals. And so what we do at the Talangs, we have communities that are exchanging, they are working together. Uh, we discuss the governance. We say, okay, which pieces do you still missing? Mm -hmm. uh, do you have a team that uh, has an access to it, democratize the data that people can see it, collect certain data. Lots of it has to be done before you see anything above the ground. You know, yeah. and uh, and most companies don't do it, uh, which uh, makes everything very shaky. You know, very and you cannot build high if you don't have a fundament. Yeah. So is there? Um, so you're saying that there is no um, uh, there is no free lunch, or, or, or with other words, you cannot you cannot just become data driven without doing the the uh, the foundation work. I think uh, it will be very unsustainable. You know, you it will be driven by short-term uh, uh, wins, uh, and eventually you will have uh, no scalable model because you will mm -hmm. have every time there will be new project. Every time you start, to, can I use this data? Oh, I forgot the uh, 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 privacy or whatever. So every time yeah. this, it, there's no scaling. Basically, you you so you will always face you... the same problems and not scale. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, I like that. I like that very much. What you just said, um, and I agree with you. Basically, don't don't. Uh, I, I think the same. And I. So could you? You talked about very quickly about what those things are. Could you elaborate a bit more what those foundations are? So we are talking about uh, making an organization data driven because without that, without we without uh, without that you can't really do those improvements that we were talking about. So, and what is what is that foundation that is required? What is the 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 part of the tower that is uh, that is not visible? Yeah. yeah, I I mean uh, different people would call it differently, but uh, uh, um, for me, it's uh, number one is uh, 
ownership. Ownership slash governance. That means somebody mm. has to own it. You mean the data? Not the specific the... data, but the topic. the topic. If you start with uh, with uh, more or less zero, you have to have somebody who say, okay, I own this topic. Yeah. So becoming data driven is my job. Yeah. And it can be a bus of people. It has to be one person, ideally in the board. Let's say I am the guy who will is tell you in six months what we've done. What is, is that, so you is have that, the commitment and ownership. Yeah? Is that a the, chief information officer, a chief data officer in a large company? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I did somebody from business rather than technical. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, so somebody who can bridge both, you know, IT and business, it's still there. I agree. Yeah. And so you have somebody who's okay. I, I will, if somebody asks me in the board, in six months, I would be the guy to say, okay, what have we done, what did we move, yeah? So the ownership of the topic, of the change, yeah? Uh, then you need uh, to have a structure that fits your company. I mean, if mm -hmm. you are a centralized company like Allianz maybe or AXA, mm -hmm. the structure will be different than in our case because we have to translate it into our organization, our body, mm -hmm. uh, because we are decentralized. So to have a central team for talents doesn't make sense. It would not, the body would not accept it, you know? Um, so this transplant, whatever you call it, yeah? <laughs> so you have, to, you have to say, okay, what should it be for us? What does it mean? That means uh, in our case, it's more kind of shared structures, shared mm -hmm. governance, but uh, you need to have somebody on the operational level. So, okay, what is the governance for HDI Global, which is industrial insurance? And they are really, really uh, advanced on that one, but they started really building it below the surface with Thomas Kurt, who is the responsible board member for that and the team. They're a really good job. On the retail side would be probably Mexico that is doing a really good job because they started really to build up layer by layer and have a governance say, okay, we have people who, are, uh, who have a clear responsibilities, uh, including people who are bridging the data IT to business so mm -hmm. they understand that uh, and then can uh, uh, work together on that. So you need this ownership on the main topic, on the operational level, the governance, who owns which data, who can change to whatever, uh, then you need, uh, uh, of course, these people will have to work on data sources, internal, external, which sources that we use, which mm -hmm. data do we collect, or maybe we collect it, but we never use this data. We mm -hmm. had also these cases where we had like lots of profit by using one variable for pricing that we never used, but we had it, yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, so you start discovering things and mm -hmm. uh, and then of course they have to decide on the tools on the infrastructure um, and processes how we work with this for the potential use cases mm -hmm. so it is all start scaling yeah so if you say i build a balcony before having a wall well okay you can maybe <laughs> hold it for some time but then they say okay i'm tired so the balcony will collapse once you have the fundament and you think ahead, then you can build any house, any balcony, any roof, you can extend it whatsoever. And this, this, uh, these layers are governance, tools, infrastructure, processes, mm -hmm. how do we work with the business so, together and so on, yeah? So, uh, so building, building essentially these capabilities, right? business and technological capabilities. So this business capability build on top of 
people, processes, technology. Um, so uh, this is what you're talking about. Now, this in itself doesn't show value immediately, or at least it's hard. Now, it's, how underground. Do you... it's underground. It's underground. But, uh, you know, under the, the best now, things happen underground when they start the revolution. It starts underground. <laughs> right. So, and the, the analogy of the the analogy of the the building is is very good. I had a, I have a friend. Uh, we were uh, who's an engineer, civil engineer. We were talking. We were looking at this new building that was being built next door, and he was looking and saying, "Well, the foundations are all ready." So, uh, and they've been working on this for six months now. The next three months, you're going to see five stores of the building going very fast, right? So that's impressive because they're yeah. going to build five stories. It's of the much building. faster. It's much faster to faster, build. The, the, yeah, faster than they actually built the foundations. And and um, and I agree with you. Now the the challenge I saw at least when I was working for a large company is that a part of the organization will want to see results immediately. So how do you? How do you find that sweet spot between taking the time, making the investment to build the foundations that you clearly need, but also showing that part of the organization that you are making progress and that you actually could could deliver business value very quickly? Yeah, yeah. There are indeed things that you can deliver quickly. Yeah, but you cannot I mean, you, deliver you, a lot of them and not for a long time without the yeah. foundation, but you can deliver some things quickly. So how do you strike that balance yeah. between working on the foundation and actually fairly quickly showing business value? Because yeah. the risk is that they, they basically stop investing because they think you're just pouring uh, money into a, into, a, into a black hole, right? So how do exactly, you, yeah. what's, the, what's a good way of managing that? I think you have to, uh, again, it depends on a company. It might be that one company says, okay, no, we, we are committed to it. We invest, we build it up, and then we uh, scale whatsoever. Yeah? Uh, I think this is rare. No, normally, most mm -hmm. companies would want to see it very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you have to kind of uh, uh, trick the organization in a way. Say, okay, like, but you have to really know your stakeholders and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, and, and this is not like they, they are against it consciously. Oh, yeah. They just, they just have different, uh, targets, different interests. Um, mm -hmm. they don't have the trust maybe, uh, and so on. Yeah. So th these are like, these are the people, most of them are like these people. And I, I want to share one picture while explaining it. So you have to, like you rightly said, you have to serve both, yeah? But you have to be aware of these people, let's say, so you see in the picture, there, there are two guys running up the hill, yeah? Mm -hmm. The one guy in front is a young guy. He wants to say, let's, let's build a data-driven organization. Let's invent this. Let's uh, design this, whatsoever. So you have all very, very uh, reasonable ideas, uh, but you don't have a backpack, you don't have a legacy whatsoever. So you're kind of like a startup, yeah? But in an organization like ours, you have this, let's say, older, more senior guys behind him, and they, they carry this re, reinvent, reconsider, re blah, blah. So, so because you don't start from scratch, you have something that is working, and, and it's not implementing data-driven organization, but it's changing the organization, changing people whatsoever. So you have to 
find out these guys who are carrying this re invent re whatever redesign mm-hmm. and then you have to understand uh, their interest their motives and whatsoever and ideally you combine both you are in the best way you have quick wins which are possible and you know sometimes you just call it ai but it's not really ai just some i mean because most of the people don't understand it you call it ai data driven whatsoever yeah you do for example rpa and you save lots of money and you use this money to invest in this underground stuff yeah mm-hmm. uh, you um, uh, so you 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 make it sustainable by getting the right people connect them and let them work on it maybe not everybody has to build the fundament for the whole company but you do something in mexico while in poland they're doing something different and then you then you these are the, the pieces that you can combine but you have to frequently show results from something Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, you know, it could be small, but but if you have a like kind of like a parallel plans, once is you build something for good, very stable, enabling the future uh, change whatsoever, and then mm-hmm. you have a plan to have I don't know every six months something to talk about, post on the intranet whatever. What a cool thing, you know. We did something with Porsche. We developed a product. Everybody talks about it for three months, yeah? Uh, then uh, three months later, you do something with Daimler or with uh, um, uh, another country. and you don't. So you have to keep it positive context by delivering real things, maybe not huge things. At the same time, try to get this money partially invested in here, get some, some uh, mm-hmm. board members who support it to build it. But I don't believe in big bank when you say, okay, we stop everything for three years, we build a fundamental, it will not work because people get, you know, so you have to do both. Yeah, this is the mm-hmm. trick. Yeah, and then you have to understand the organization, how to mm-hmm. do it, when to do it, but uh, but you, you basically, you build a brand of data-driven AI by doing good stuff, even small mm-hmm. stuff, so you always have this positive aura around it, you know, mm-hmm. rather than like a big bank that didn't work because big banks usually don't work, you know. Right. I, I have to think about SAP projects. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, but, but, uh, uh, but uh, sometimes. And I also, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, you know, like um, uh, also the the um, speed is very important. You know, whatever you yeah. do uh you have to think about speed you know because uh, mm-hmm. i'm saying like if you are very slow uh then uh the enemy if i may say so has time to buy the weapons to hide to whatsoever so if you have an idea you have to you know like a bulb you like a normal bulb you you Put it in, and it, there's a light. Yeah. If you have a, a idea, and the the the, the 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 screwing part of the bulb, like in the picture, mm-hmm. is very very long. You you take ages to to get it mm-hmm. in and have a light. Then then you are screwed. You know, you are really yeah. screwed up. You know. Rich so you have to be you have to be uh, fast. You have to know your stakeholders. Uh, you have to start in a good timing. Maybe sometimes crisis is good. Sometimes uh, good times are good where people mm-hmm. say, yeah, why not? You know, so it's, uh, it's, it's, a very, it's a very tricky thing. But the way you start, when you start, with whom, whatsoever, 
makes uh, probably 50 or 60 percent of the success because at the end what has to be done you can google you can say what is data-driven organization blah 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 uh, you ask the consulting mm. they will tell you also yeah so the end product is easy but uh, to go from a to, to b this is the trick yeah this even people don't know where they are where they it's, are so it, this it, is uh, this is also something that uh, you have to work on because some people say we are data-driven what do you want so you have to really uh, mm -hmm. uncover the A to make it transparent or oh, shit, we are not data driven, the others are more whatever. So once you define the A and say, oh, we are not in Hamburg, we are actually in Munich and we have to go to Helsinki or seven. So it's much longer, yeah? And then you define the B and then the way, mm -hmm. hopefully you have some parties uh, with small stuff. So it's, it's, uh, it's lots of communication also, communication, expectation management, having the right partners um, and having the vision at the same time, feeding the beast of the daily successes or something, you know, because mm -hmm. they want it, you know? Right. So I, I'm going to try to summarize this, um, what, what you said. So um, in order, in order for a company or an organization to become data-driven, and this problem doesn't apply to insurance only, this applies to, almost any business you need to build the foundations now yeah. you can't so and the foundations are are this being the, these capabilities uh, the capabilities are about data they're about processes they're about people they're about technology so and you need all these you need to build all this foundation with data governance with all these processes around it, ownership and you need a good technological platform and all those things um and so but you cannot afford usually as a as a company to spend a few years just working on this um you need in parallel to work on those quick wins and 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 to provide business value as fast as you can because some ideas do need the timing of some things the time to market is key either you do it now or you don't do it at all and i've also witnessed that sometimes you uh, you have a good idea you actually do it but it takes so long to go through all the the, the motions in the large companies approval after approval of compliance and risk management and and one after the other that it takes so long to to get something to the market that took three months to do, but it takes then 12 months to actually get it approved mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and having all the boxes tick, that you yeah. lose the time. You basically missed the time window. When you get it out there, it's already too late or it's just not, it doesn't have the impact it could have had if you have done it a year before. And this, this happens over and over. So there's also this danger. And now, different stakeholders involve the people who are carrying the, the 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 burden and the legacy with them because they are the ones who are bringing business to because the organization to now yeah. right and and kind of in order for these people this was also my experience to be able to accommodate the new things into their big heavy backpack they need to get rid of some of the, the things and these things take time and it's not always easy because some of these old things that sometimes the innovator doesn't understand are still bringing money to the company. Exactly. And this is what's and, paying the bills. So the, it is and, a very, uh, it, it is a very difficult position sometimes for the, for the older people 
or that the, they are carrying all this legacy with them to accommodate these things because they need to accommodate them on top of all the things that they already have. Exactly. And then, and, and you know, I, th I think that like in a private life, I mean, the, uh, the timing is important. To know the other side is important, um, the stakeholders. The least important thing is the solution. Yeah? Because you can get it left and right. I mean, nowadays, everybody can buy service, can get the cloud, can get the talents whatsoever, you know? But, uh, but uh, when do you start? Is it like pandemic? In the pandemic, I mean, many companies, Zoom, Teams whatsoever make lots of business because it was perfect timing. Yeah, uh, so yeah. you know that people will want it. Yeah, so you can you can push as much as possible this kind of tools and businesses. Yeah, if you if you come to me now and say, okay, uh, hey Jan, I have a perfect breakfast for you. I say, hey, it's already like uh, three o'clock. I mean, I'm not saying so. <laughs> so right some companies mm -hmm. coming with the solutions like an afternoon offering breakfast without ignoring completely the timing of the company. And say well, hello. I mean, uh, it's we don't need it now. I'm not so. So sometimes it's better to start maybe one year later, where there's a better timing than like before. Uh, if if right. the board member is uh, finishing his contract next year, maybe it's not a good time to start. Maybe you start with a new one. Yeah. So this is extremely important, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, that's why uh, you know coming from the product perspective. So, okay, I have a great product, and so everybody should should buy it now. Uh, you do cold calls and you are surprised that they're not buying. That is like offering breakfast at three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, maybe some students would like it. Yeah? But, uh, mm -hmm. So you have to be really conscious about coming from the customer, understanding the stakeholders, and then placing your bets and, and, uh, accordingly, because at the end it will be more successful. Uh, rather than saying, we decided now to do it mm -hmm. and uh, everybody's against it and you, and you push it, whatsoever, yeah? Mm. And and also I think that uh, you you will you will identify lots of people who want to do it. Who say, okay, finally somebody wants to do it. Yeah. So what I also do or what we do at Talents, we identify. You can say, okay, there are people who want to do something and can do something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can is not a problem. You do some. You read five books. You you do some training, mm -hmm. whatever. But the, you have to find the people who want this change, yeah? Mm -hmm. If they want this change and can, perfect. If they cannot, you can empower them. But these people will be the, you know, they will pull their whole change forward, yeah? And, mm -hmm. and the rest will follow, yeah? So uh, I think it's a waste of time to convince the people who don't want, really mm -hmm. waste of time. If you don't people who want, uh, you have to hire them or something, yeah? Mm -hmm. Right, so, I mean, um... Uh, it, it is a bit what we do in 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 our business at Two Impulse is that um, that we we are not trying to push any product to 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 our customers. We try to position ourselves as advisors, as sparring partners, and uh, typically the customers approach us when they have some concrete need and we help them. But it's rare that we come in and impose something. Now this product, we need to, you need to buy it now because that doesn't mm -hmm. work. We've tried it. <laughs> we have this great product. Tried to sell it, and that 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 didn't work because, yeah. especially if we work with with um, uh, more large companies, established companies, they have some. They, there are other challenges there, and uh, and and a product is not the biggest problem. Right, they they have the change is their biggest challenge, and this is yeah. 
and and um so sometimes they come back to us because well they they've gone through a certain to they've gone to the next to the next stage and now they need technological help and that's where we can help them um but we cannot mm -hmm. help them drive that change because we are too small right we are a tech uh, tech small tech company so um going back to the tech uh since this is a tech podcast it's a very interesting yeah. topic but uh, still trying to keep that connection to change now change in the way industry this industry works in the way insurance works do you see technology changing that or um do you see that technology will just help uh doing a better job uh or what you're already doing doing better what you already do now or do you see something that is going to really disrupt the, the insurance industry um, the next let's say the next 10 years coming from technology and if yes what uh, i i maybe maybe i don't know what would it be uh, but uh, because there were different uh, uh, attempts already like this p2p insurance and i mean i mean in a small area small uh, part of the business, I think there might be some disruption, whatever, but uh, they have to scale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, can you do 10 million customers? <clears throat> can you do the insurance? So, so I think this is, uh, I think there I don't see so, I don't see any specific disruption okay. candidate. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I think uh, uh, there's lots of uh, areas where we can do what we do better without i mean the question is what is disruption yeah uh, i mean you could so say let's, yeah, let me try to simplify it for you then for example so uh, let's start with people because people is uh, is our main topic here so do you see for example today jobs in the insurance industry that will no longer exist in 10 years because of technology uh, yeah i think uh, there will be many of them uh, not existing uh, or not necessary, uh, For but not necessary due to disruption. I think that uh, due to technology, everything, right? everything that a person does, and I can put it in an algorithm. I can describe it to fifty nine percent will disappear. Okay. So if you do something super super creative. It's a, I cannot I cannot put an algorithm. You can talk to me for two weeks and you still cannot put in an algorithm. Yeah, uh, they will not disappear. But everything that you could put in an algorithm will, will disappear. Yeah. So that means uh, lots of back office uh, in claims um, uh, um, because of the self service because of the uh, image recognition we use already today uh, text recognition. Uh, contact centers where you have chat box, very smart ones, uh, uh, voice boards. Uh, um, I think uh, the, the question is, so in a back office, in claims, fraud, uh, maybe partially the product development where you will have maybe kind of like a self, like a menu that you can pick and choose uh, uh, as a customer mm -hmm. and you're not forced to, to use certain product this way. Um, the, I think disruption would, I would consider disruption if insurance would be bought and not sold. 
I don't know how to de- do it because it would be like kind of like uh, paying taxes without having state asking you to pay it, you know, <laughs> because it's considered <laughs> kind of like paying tax. Yeah. So yeah. if somebody would have an idea to make insurance, like I actually buy it uh, without uh, somebody has to so- sell it to me, a website or a person, that I would consider a big disruption. One idea, I mean, you could imagine, for example, that you could say, but this is embedded insurance, isn't it? No, not Where, really. When I, mean, I buy it's something, also sold. It's also I buy, sold. Yeah? I buy something and, it, well, whatever I buy, it it's already comes with insurance. I don't need to think about it. I'm buying, it's just part of yeah, what I'm buying. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could, but then you would have to have for each insurer some kind of case where you can embed it and say, okay, you know, like a warranty, basically, you know? You buy a fridge and okay, I have a warranty or something, yeah. But I think that if it comes to life insurance, uh, uh, I mean, you could embed it, but uh, but uh, I think for me the disruption would be a real disruption if you say uh, I don't buy insurance, I invest my money, and I invest the amount uh, that. underwriter calculated for me. So I have a house and a car and a family. And so, okay, you have to save 1,000 euro per month or mm-hmm. 500 euro, yeah? And uh, when something happens, you can take this money and whatever, but it's your money. So basically we manage your investment, but we tell you how much you should. Basically I tell you what is your risk worth and you have to invest it or you can invest it. And I just manage the investment and if you don't have enough, you can use peer-to-peer lending. The other guys can help you some kind of a POP and you have maybe reinsurance at the back. Uh, so that I would consider something disruptive, but it doesn't exist yet. Like, but you basically, they tell you how much to invest and then you invest. And when something happens, you pay out of this money. And if not, you can lend to others maybe or something like that, you know, maybe there's some other ideas, yeah. But uh, there used to be some insurance <clears throat> products, life insurance products where you could build capital and then in the end, if something happened to you, you're insured. But if it didn't, you can could cash out the amount. After. You can cash out this. I mean, you can do it maybe on property insurance also, like uh, mm-hmm. the PNC insurance. Yeah, um, embedded is But I think that uh, definitely would be uh, uh, less manual work, less less human work. But mm-hmm. lots of things will be automated. And I think also that will be more individualized. Uh, mm-hmm. The question is where does it stop? Because insurance concept based on the community. So a hundred people pay in and the one with the bad luck get the money. <laughs> and uh, it's like inverted lottery. In lottery, hundred people pay <laughs> in. Lottery. Uh, and That's one, one. <laughs> uh, they, they, you know, but... Yeah. Uh, if you say, I know exactly uh, Paolo's risk and Jan's risk and uh, Robert, then the uh, mutual the community of uh, doesn't make sense because you would say, okay, I pay 1,000, the other guy 700 or 100. It's exactly the amount that you need to cover the risk. Uh, then you could actually save it. So if you get to the point, the insurance doesn't make sense because insurance only makes sense because you don't know exactly what your risk is. And, and you think you pay 100, like for example, in oh, but, Poland, we had a- But insurance case, uh, is also about capacity, right? So I, I cannot possibly cover the loss of my house, right? If exactly. I'm so paying a mortgage for it. So 
that capacity needs to come from somewhere else. So um, exactly. So, but and if you, it, know exactly you need the inverted your, lottery, otherwise it. What your work. risk is, then then uh, the other guys would say, I will not. I, I why do I pay for him? You know, if his risk is worth fifty thousand uh, maximum risk, then uh, I will not pay for him. And I live in a small house in a village, whatever. I will, for me, the risk is ten thousand. So basically, to have a hundred percent precise risk prediction would basically would ensure us would be not necessary yeah okay. which i think will never happen yeah yeah, yeah. so so the, the the other question i was going to ask you was um so we talked you talked about jobs of people so you, you said that um so any any job that could be where or any test that could be somehow described uh, by an algorithm or could be learned by some machine learning um uh, algorithm uh, could be automated and that means that those jobs are either they will either disappear or there will be a lot less lot less, uh, less jobs like that in the future and then so and 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 that's one way that technology will bring up change and and this will continue to happen I agree with you then second thing you talked about was, a bit more on the disruptive side of new insurance business models, peer-to-peer um, uh, -peer insurance or these uh, different kinds of um, insurance models that don't exist. Uh, insurance where you actually build fully, up capital. Fully embedded, I don't know, you are born and <laughs> via taxes right. or something, immediately so something one, starts being protected or something. Yeah? One, one thing that I'm always a bit fantasizing about, and I do fantasize about insurance, <laughs> is um, like I have my family, right? I have family, a uh, wife, one daughter, and we have a house, a car, uh, actually two cars, and we have a few other uh, risks. So... I wish I could just go to an insurance company and say one insurance company and say, look, I want insurance for my family. And this includes uh, li uh, private liability insurance, includes health insurance, includes household, car, anything, e everything that my family needs, right? All, All the, the protection risks, I yeah. want. Mm -hmm. I want you to tell me what, what is my protection need, right? And give me one policy, <laughs> one one policy, not 15. I don't want 15 policies. Why? I want one for my family. One policy, and, and then I just need to pay in. That's it. And whenever something happens, I I deal with, I have one single point of contact. Yeah. I have one policy right that I can monitor yeah. and do it. So I know for a fact that this is nearly impossible right now. The way the whole insurance... Well, technically... Technically, it's possible, but uh, it's like if I would use this analogy to paying taxes, if you would do pay taxes like we do insurance today, you would say you pay 10 euro for the roads, you're 15 euro for the schools, you know, uh, you pay one bulk and it's okay, you should pay that much and it all is covered. Yeah, you get a kindergarten, everything. Yeah, so yeah. technically it is possible because we have all these products. But so, so right. the, why 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 it doesn't work uh, for different reasons? Once uh, um, uh, because of the history, legacy, because you have this focus, whatsoever. But I believe that uh, many times it will be the regulator that force you that not allow you to bundle 
yeah, because you have to have this kind of pricing or this regulation. So I think I can imagine that the regulation is one kind of showstopper sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think technically it's possible. Also for us, it's possible. Yeah, you have you need to have a good system, lots of data, uh, and uh, right. and then it depends, you know, how many people would like it because maybe you are just part of the market. Some people keep optimizing insurance on every single thing uh, because of five euro, like a bargain hunters. Some people, the more convenient, you could say, okay, you are. I take care of everything. You know, you you come to me. Maybe it will happen. I think it would be great, uh, and uh, also good customer experience, and and you will know more about the customer. Uh, mm-hmm. If the regulator allows it, I think that might be something that will come uh, in the future because it's more convenient. Yeah. So regulation is the biggest obstacle. It's not. It could, I can imagine that in some markets it would not be so easy to. No, uh, definitely to... not. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. They they have all this because I. I believe that, or, or you would need like really super systems in the back to right. split everything to yeah. uh, report and talked so. about. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's very difficult, if nearly impossible nowadays, because exactly like you said, the, the insurance insurance itself was there's legacy, there's there's a history behind it, and the products work. Insurance companies kept adding products to their portfolio and they have organizations behind those products, processes behind those products. So it's it's very hard for a company like, let's say, Allianz to say, okay, let's merge household with with automotive. That just, it, it means that, okay, throw away everything you have and start from scratch, basically. Starting from the way exactly. you do reservation, the way you, the, the way you allocate capital for everything. The securities you have, the collaterals, yeah. it starts from there, right? That's the one problem. But regulation grew the same way. So as soon as yeah. new products but, came but, along, but the I agree with you that the, the biggest obstacle would be probably the current organization, the current split, the current systems, which is which makes it very hard or impossible. Not impossible, but people would use it as an argument. So okay, you know. Because some people would lose jobs. It's a, it's a, right. Maybe one startup could start doing it with a reinsurer. That may, might be right. something, but which is also very complex because you need actuaries for all kinds of risk, regulation, and so on. Yeah. So uh, it so is technically possible, but probably not very realistic. We could, for start, we could start a, a startup where <laughs> you have this one product, right? It's one product where with features, right? With coverages. It's one product and there's only one product is family insurance the family could be one person and one individual but it could be five people or ten and with different risks you could underwrite you could buy coverage for those now as soon as you try to go there and talk to regulators they'll say no you can't do that you need to uh, i mean what you probably could do you i think you would be probably one way to you you have a you're just bundling the product. So you can source from different companies. You can have one product from Allianz, mm-hmm. one from Talangs, one from mm-hmm. Zurich, whatever. Uh, and, and you hide you, the complexity from the and customer. And you bundle this for you. So so that that should work. Because the more I, if I know your risk whatsoever, I can kind of sell your risk to different companies and I'm your broker or whatever. And uh, I and collect I the data. And I have the data. So you have customers. one point of contact uh, um, and I can 
pick and choose in the back uh, who is covering you today or tomorrow, you know? But this is exactly the iceberg where you say, okay, you, you have company, only one contact and, and I take care of the complexity. That would be possible probably, yeah. Okay. Like a concierge, kind of, you know? <laughs> but isn't that the, 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 the insurance broker or the, the insurance uh, representative, the guy who has the office and sells insurance, that's that's what he does. No, normally yes. Because then he uh, resells the, the the contract. You get you end up having 15 policies anyway. Yeah, but also they also typically sell like one two products, so like kind of like the killer products, and then yeah. do some cross selling. But uh, yeah. but uh, let's say a perfect broker, perfect agent would say, okay, Paolo, you you give me all the data, all the risk, whatever you have. And I give you in one week, I give you an offer how to cover all the risks, you know? But I want one policy. I don't want 15. That's the... Yeah, he would have to probably make this one policy on on behalf of you and take some risk whatsoever because you will have to probably have different insurance in the back, you know? Yeah. And you bundle it somehow, which I don't know regulatory-wise how, how it would work, but uh, technically Very I interesting. it would work. Yeah. Maybe there is no market for this, and I'm just uh, I'm just thinking of myself. But I think simplifying the insurance market, simplifying the insurance products, would there is a market for that clearly? Absolutely, and, absolutely. And, and yeah. I think there is potential. Anyway, Jan, do you have um, any advice uh, to any professional starting? in this in this field uh, either of insurance or technology that you'd like to give something that you learned throughout your career that you'd like to share uh let me share a picture yeah. uh the final picture uh because i think it might be something i i learned it actually from a company builder from startup in um, in colombia all right and they say something like, uh, because we were developing something with them and they said, okay, uh, we wanted to, actually we are doing this, uh, like a platform business in Latin America. It's called uh, Cent, not Central, now a job led uh, across mm -hmm. the continent. It's a, it's a very early stage, but uh, it's working. And they said, okay, before we do it, we have to find the problem to fall in love with. Right. So we have to fall in love in a problem. Do you have mm -hmm. a problem? And uh, so I, I was, I, I found it like really super easy, super impressive. And it applies to insurance, applies to you guys who are selling to insurance whatsoever, that if you find the problem on the other side uh, or in the market, and then you start testing different solutions and, and, uh, and then you eventually find the one and it's like everybody loves it, yeah? This is the, everybody say, yeah, of course, it's the right approach, yeah? But what happens very often in insurance and also in the guys who are offering something to us, they come, they fell in love with the solution. So I have a startup that does image recognition or text recognition. And I'm going around, so it's an incredible solution, but I'm looking for a problem where right. it would fit. And uh, yeah. that sometimes works, most of the time doesn't, yeah? And mm -hmm. this is why like we say we have this product, we have the regulation, we have the setup. So we're looking for the problems that could somehow fit. And I think if you turn it around, so okay, I found the problem. Let's say 5% of people are like you and they want to have convenience whatsoever. This is the problem that don't have it. How do I solve it this way? Then you go for the next one. And you forget what you have in production, 
but you just start producing once you understand the problem and you find the problem. And I think we are, we and maybe also the startups and the technology companies love their solution and try to sell to each other the solution without even listening to each other sometimes okay. uh, what actually the problem or opportunity is. Yeah? So I think this observing, uh, reading in between lines, uh, meeting twice, looking around uh, beyond the obvious slides whatsoever, uh, you can find this door where you can go through and make business as an insurer, as a technology provider, whatsoever. So I think this is something that I would share. And I think this is very powerful uh, because it's, uh, yeah, it's what you do normally in a private life. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, there is this, uh, there is this, I, I don't know if it was, was like a commencement speech of, of Steve Jobs. I, I'm not a big fan of Steve Jobs style. But I, I, I am of his, um, of his vision and how we, how we approach mm -hmm. these things. And he, he said, well, you need to be passionate about what you're doing. Um, so either about the problem or even about the solution, but you need to be passionate about it. Otherwise, you won't, you won't go the extra mile when things get tough. Yeah, but but uh, you know, I, I, him, I think, I think he was an incredible observer, you know? yeah. Nobody yeah. told him, okay, uh, let's have this kind of phone, but he was observing people. He was saying, okay, people use finger. People don't like, so he, he uh, if you do the customer service, surveys and stuff, yeah. they will tell you like this example, get he more horses, whatever, not build a car, yeah? yeah? So I mm -hmm. think you have to observe, really be the good observer and, and derive insights from it and then build something. Because sometimes people don't even know that this is the problem. So, but if you have good observers, mm. uh, or you are a good observer, then you find it, and then eventually start doing something that people love, yeah, mm. uh, want to buy. Yeah? But uh, mm. if you if you don't, then uh, you might be lucky or not. But definitely, if you don't do this, you will have to sell it because nobody will buy it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the the best is when you don't have to sell anything. The people come and buy and so exactly yeah uh, exactly and insurance should be that way too it's it's a long way i think um it's a need and the companies who do business in with needs uh have usually lower margins the companies who do business with want have a higher margin or the <laughs> that's a good uh, or the perform industry I want, fashion I <laughs> whatever nobody needs that really but you want it yeah so if you want it the high margin is higher you don't have to sell if, if it's a need uh and this is something that also regulator maybe doesn't help because if they force you to insure the car it becomes a need like a tax that so you start optimizing the price if they would say you can buy it or not, whatever, like in Mexico or Brazil, <laughs> then you can, uh, you know, so <laughs> if it becomes a need, you have a problem, yeah? All right. <laughs> so um, I just have one more question. Uh, so uh, uh, in other words, so uh, are, you, are you a hopeful person? Or are you more skeptical? Do you think the world will be better? Uh, or do you think things are getting worse? Also associated no. to technology and the no, the, the world, the world is better already than than before. You know, if I look at my life, it become much much better. 
If you look at the data and statistics, of course, we have the war in Ukraine, which is horrible. We have uh, hung female and, and climate, whatever. But overall, the world is becoming better and better. Of course, uh, maybe it's not like this Turkey in the Thanksgiving, <laughs> then you, everything crashes. It's possible because we are like we are, a bit uh, strange animals. But uh, I think the world, in my case, and people who I see become much, much better, and there's no reason not to continue. Will you have wars? Yes. Will you have uh, criminals? Yes. Uh, doesn't stop you from enjoying the life and doing good stuff? No, because, because they are so visible. You know, this is the availability bias. You see in the news what leads, leads, blah, blah, blah. So people think the whole world is horrible because in the news. Uh, but, uh, you know, they around the corner, somebody got married, they got a baby, first kiss, whatever. Nobody talks about it, but it's happening, yeah. you know. So what we see, the bad things is just a, just a little portion of uh, what's going on. And most of it is really good. So I'm very positive. I, I agree with you. I also think that uh, the world is getting better and, and people very easily forget that. Uh, Read newspapers from 20 years ago or 30 years ago, the headlines. Yeah. Uh, and you say what actually happened or not. And lots of it is like panicking. And because yeah. if you scare people, it's easy to manage them. Yeah. In a company, yeah. on the country, sometimes, uh, or the kids, Here. the family. But at the end, it, it's just a waste of time because yeah. uh, you have only that window of opportunity to, to enjoy the life. Then you are dead. <laughs> yeah, you true. can worry all the time, but you can do something good. All right. Um, With or without much. data. <laughs> Yes. Thank um, you, Paul. Thank you, Jan, um, for taking your time. Uh, it was a pleasure speaking to you. I think um, we all learned a lot. Um, I, I hope we can speak again in the future and stay in touch. Uh, thank, thank you for watching uh, to the audience. Thank you for watching and listening uh, to us. Um, don't forget to give us a like on YouTube or to follow our podcast um, on, on Apple or, uh, or Android. Uh, or Spotify, and see you again next time. And Merry Christmas if you celebrate. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you too. Thank you. Thank you.